This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious tonight. Yes, we deserve this thing, man. Fox Force 5 flying high in both teams. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling it's the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know, hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like, that's, that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Bryant West on here as we usually do. What's going on, Brian? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, Kings won the game. They absolutely should have won. Um, some positives to take out of that. Some uh, certain negatives I'm sure we'll discuss, but they get a rare win. So, you know, season of Zen means that you take advantage of the games that you uh, should win. So that's a good baseline. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're recording this right after the Houston Rockets win. Uh, we're doing it live on Locker Room, which definitely would enjoy people hopping in here. Um, and yeah, it allows us to invite people on or, or they request to speak. And that way you get your voice in here a little bit and uh, definitely want to do that. And we're going to do probably one of these a week here on out for a while now. So definitely stay on the lookout for those. And yeah, Sacramento 125-105 victory over the Houston Rockets that were missing John Wall and uh, Christian Wood, probably their two best players, uh, which led to a very rough Houston team. There was a lot of G League guys, uh, Kenyon Martin Jr., Kevin Porter Jr. I've never heard of Anthony Lamb. Um, I haven't heard, I haven't heard Jason Patton in a while. Um, yeah, Sterling Brown gets 31 minutes. Jayshon Tate, who I know has been 
you know, kind of a uh, hidden gem for the Rockets this year, but it was an undrafted player. Sees 30 minutes tonight. This was a rough Houston roster. Um, I, I feel like we can start out by saying, and Sacramento took advantage of it, but it was definitely a really bad Houston roster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's hard to look at this game and take anything meaningful out of it um, for Sacramento. I mean, De'Aaron Fox took advantage as he absolutely needed to. Excellent 30 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, uh, 3 of 7 from deep. Some really nice threes in there. Um, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, and Rashawn Holmes all had 20 points each. And uh, good to see those guys all producing. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's hard to be – a upset in the 20-point victory. Let me get that out of the way first, but it boggles my mind that in a blowout against a team that you know you're comfortably better than, a team that's resting their star players, it it just makes no sense to me that Corey Joseph gets 34 minutes in in this contest. makes no sense that Marvin Bagley only gets 23 minutes in a game against a team that has one center that played tonight. Justin yeah. Patton. Um, or no, Tyrese Halliburton was on a minutes restriction. 18 seems a little low for him, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Daquan Jeffries getting only 12 minutes makes absolutely no sense. I know he was pretty rough in the first half, uh, but still getting not coming back in until the closing minutes just makes no sense. Um, and then, you know, Luke Walton in the final 30 seconds subbing in um, Kyle Guy and Justin James is just – you know, uh, uh, you and I have preached all season that this is a developmental season, uh, and this more than anything in the last 10 games the Kings have played seems like a really good opportunity to kind of develop those young players. And Luke Walton just said, nope, not going to risk it. I'm going to play Corey Joseph 34 minutes. Yeah, um, I'm definitely with you. And I feel like we can just kind of transition into something I wanted to ask you today. Do you, like, would you care? Like, I, I think Bielitsa could not play for the rest of the year, and I'd be fine <laughs> yeah. with it. Yeah. Like, just give the minutes to Jeffries or Woodard when he's healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know Nemanja wants to play, and I know he wants to play meaningful minutes. Um, I hope the Kings find a good situation for him where he can go and play for a contender because I think he could provide some contending team. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he could provide a contending team with stretch four off the bench. Um, but uh, not here in Sacramento. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like not playing him is lowering his trade value or anything like if so, anyone's trading for Bielitsa, they already know what they're getting. Um, I'm personally over his minutes out there. And, you know, if defense is going to be your problem, Bielitsa obviously is not helping there. I think that uh, where I guess it got a little scary maybe, I think Houston cut the lead to like 12 at the midway point of the fourth quarter towards the early portion of it actually um, with a K.J. Martin offensive rebound that was totally on Bielitsa, just kind of being checked out. Yeah, I, I do not care for Bielitsa minutes when it comes to the rest of this season. Um, yeah, I, I do want to focus on a little bit in this episode, what are you watching for in the um, second half of this upcoming season? 
And is there a certain spot that uh, is there a certain one that comes to mind initially that you want to start with there? I think we both have a little list here. Yeah, uh, I think the number one thing for me is when does Tyrese Halliburton start? Um, I get that he's on a minutes restriction at night and he was a little rough, but uh, when does he start? Because it should be pretty quick. Um, yeah. And uh, what more can he show us? I know you and I have been very impressed with his development this year, um, especially in, with his shot. And, I mean, a lot of the things that he's excellent at are things that we were praising all year, uh, his defensive uh, instincts and his passing. I mean, that one-handed pass and run up the court tonight was just a thing of beauty, probably the highlight of the game. Uh, so for me, I really want to see what Tyrese Halliburton does with starting minutes for the rest of the year. Yeah, and interestingly, I have one that is similar to that. I want to see how Buddy Heald reacts to getting benched. Because to me, Buddy Heald, you know, I mean, maybe I'm premature in saying that's going to happen. Um, but I feel like that's the obvious substitution. Buddy, you know, excelled off the bench last year, but was not shy about saying that he wasn't happy with that role. Um, and assuming Buddy is not traded at the deadline, he very well could end up in that bench role. And I'd be very curious to see how his reaction is to that off the court and then also how it affects him on the court. Um, you know, last year, I think he played some of his best basketball coming off the bench. He was a little bit more free-flowing in the latest Kings Herald podcast that had uh, James Ham on there. James Ham kind of mentioned something that I hadn't considered of, you know, Buddy looking over his shoulder, like worried about getting benched because Halliburton is playing out of his mind. And I wonder if, you know, getting benched shifts to a prove people wrong mentality, which I think some of the Kings Herald guys were mentioning. Um, I, I think, I'm definitely going to be very interested to see how Buddy reacts to that. Um, do you think I'm premature in saying that, like, that's the obvious swap? I mean, I think that's the obvious swap. Um, I wouldn't mind if the Kings went maybe replace uh, Marvin Bagley with Tyrese Halliburton and just go three guards um, just to see what it's like because Lord knows that both Halliburton and Fox rely on having shooting in the lineup to truly optimize their offense. But putting Buddy on the bench seems the obvious move. And, uh, you know, it, we, we kind of worried about it last year, but he had a terrible start to the, um, to his season last year. And once he got benched for Bogdan Bogdanovich, he really did start playing out of his mind. He used it as a really big motivator to get going. So it would, would be really interesting to see how he approaches that. Is it different when there's a rookie? Does he recognize that Tyrese Albert is playing so dang good that he, should kind of take his starting spot. I don't know. Um, but if Buddy's still on the team come two weeks from now, uh, you know, I think most of the Kings fan base would love to see him benched for Tyrus Halliburton. So it will be interesting to see how he takes that approach. And, you know, one other question I have for you on Buddy, um, there's been a lot of praise about his passing recently, and it's not like completely – you know, it's not all over the place, but I'm definitely hearing it, you know, on the broadcast. I think I've seen it on King's Twitter and things like this. To me, like, sure, there's occasional moments where maybe he's, like, more willing of a passer, but I don't feel like I've seen, like, some jump in Buddy's passing. Or Where are you at with that? 
I don't think I've seen him suddenly see reads that he wasn't seeing before. I just think that he's being, I mean, he had seven assists against the Rockets. And I think a lot of them were just in the flow of the offense kind of thing. Like, all right, here's the obvious skip pass. Here's the right read, which, I mean, you got to applaud Buddy for that. He wasn't doing that his first couple of years. Um, so to me, it's a good thing because it's just showing a player settling into the flow of the offense. And if the Kings keep healed, you know, the optimized version of the Kings is just to have five passers across the court. Um, yeah. And that's all you can really ask for from Buddy. Let's make the obvious passes and then otherwise let the point guards handle it. So um, I think it should be applauded, but I don't necessarily think that it's like some game-breaking development in Buddy Heald's growth or something. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I, I don't think it's, like you said, a uh, you know notable growth in Buddy Heald that's going to lead to like a, note, a different type of player or anything. Um, but I do feel like he's probably making less mistakes than he was last year with also a little bit of a different role where he's not, you know, the sole guy initiating the offense sometimes, um, which is definitely a good thing. Um, yeah. What, what other, what other notes do you have here that you're kind of looking to wait on until watch for in the second half? Well, I complained about him only getting limited minutes in this game. I really want to see Dequan and Jeffries being the first king off the bench. Um, especially if the team goes full rebuild and trades one or two of the uh, veterans. Um, It just makes no sense to me why Corey Joseph is the first guard off the bench, Um, aside from Tyrese Halliburton, of course. Tyrese Halliburton should start. Uh, Duquan Jeffries should be a bench spark plug. Um, But I really think that there's a role here for him to get 20, 25 minutes a game. And I really do think that, you know, the Kings should figure out how much they can rely on him going forward. Is he going to be a guy who can be a sixth, seventh, eighth man on this team in a couple of years when I think you and I hope that they're contending for a playoff spot? And uh, to me, he's one of those obvious young players who should be getting real development time with this young core. Um, and I don't know if it's going to take the culture shift of Monique McNair has traded the veterans and told Luke Walton it's time to play the youngsters in order to get Daquan Jeffries real minutes, but you know, that's my hope. Um, I really want to see what he can be beyond, you know, a a determined high motor defender. We know that we know he's always going to be that, but I'd love to see what he can do when he's given more than just 12 minutes here or there. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, the, the Lakers game and the Portland game, he saw about six minutes in each one of those, which is just not enough for Jeffries. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's stretches of, you know, 12, 14 games, and then he has the one crazy outlier where I believe they were pretty injured, and he ended up starting in Milwaukee of 39 minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, I would like to see him around, you know, an 18, 20-minute sort of mark, and I think that's totally reasonable. And I feel like the minutes that he takes are really Corey Joseph's. Like, I, I just don't... I think you need to see less of a three-guard lineup because one of the three guards is Corey Joseph, really, you know? Yeah, and I think the nice thing is is that Daquan Jeffries can come in and take Corey Joseph's minutes, and as long as Tyrese Oliver and their Darren Fox is on the floor, you still have a guard who can handle. Um, so it's not like you're benching Corey Joseph for a 
power forward or something. Daquan Jeffries makes a lot of sense next to De'Aaron Fox and Tyrus Halliburton and Buddy Heald. So, um, in fact, I think he makes more sense yeah. than Corey Joseph at this point. So it's the clear and obvious choice to me. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Um, do you do you have like a preference between him and the two or the three? Because he's a little on the smaller side, I guess, for a three at six five. But he's, he's definitely, definitely strong enough to deal with it. Yeah, that's my logic. He's definitely a little shorter than optimal, but I think he's got a plus three wingspan for his size, and he's certainly strong enough to handle some small forwards. Um, so you know, it's hard to say. Oh, he should be a two guard when. The Kings have their three, arguably their three best players in Fox, Halliburton, and Buddy Heald are all guards. So right. Daquan Jeffries makes a lot of sense just sliding him into the three and, you know, let him play there, maybe next to Harrison Barnes to provide some um, defensive versatility. Um, but that's my favorite lineup right there. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Um, and one of my other notes that I have here that, you know, Tony has definitely been pushing a lot recently, um, and I think all of us have really wanted to see more often, is I just want more minutes of Tyrese Halliburton playing alongside De'Aaron Fox. It feels like too often they are playing separate from one another. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think ideally, obviously, that those guys um, are playing together for more minutes than they're not. And um, throughout the year, I, I guess seeing here, it's 550 minutes total that Halliburton has played with Fox and 407 that he's played without. So I, I guess that's not as bad as I thought. Like, I actually that's thought... Worse than I thought. That's really? worse than I yeah. thought. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I get that Tyrus Halliburton is coming off the bench, but I was really... I agree with you. There's, there's, he should be starting with the Aaron Fox. They should be playing together at least 20 minutes a game. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think it's the way to optimize both of those players. Absolutely. We've been saying that since he got drafted, since Tyrese Halliburton got drafted. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's absolutely something that needs to happen more often and it can come at the expense of, Corey Joseph, it could come at the expense of Marvin Bagley. Um, I mean, even, you know, Harrison Barnes, if he gets shipped out, um, it could come at the expense of Rashawn Holmes. There's so, like, you could just take so many minutes from different guys with some of the flexibility that, you know, Bagley or, or, um, or Barnes allows you with kind of shifting guys down in the rotation. Um, or you can, you know, play Buddy at the three. You could play, like we're mentioning, Jeffries. I mean, there's you, you need to work that out. Um, those guys need to be playing more minutes together. Um, what do you? What have you thought of the minutes that it's really just Halliburton as the playmaker out there? Um, because going into the year, I wasn't expecting to really like those minutes. And even now, I, I think they like... Ideally, for good basketball, you want one of Fox or Barnes at the floor at all times, um, but it doesn't seem like that happens. There's a lot of times that Halliburton's the number one option out there, and I'm still like up in the air on how I feel about that. It's hard to overly analyze the Halliburton as the lead guard minutes because the Kings are just so bad off the bench. Like, if the Kings had more talent 
to go around him, especially more scoring talent to go with him. I that's be, that'd be one thing. But you know, you and I have always talked about Tyrese Halliburton should not be the only initiator on the court, and it's those minutes are rough to me when he doesn't play when he's playing with Corey Joseph and Nemanja Bjelica. Like, that's not going to show you anything about what Tyrese Albert could actually do as the primary. Um, so I agree with you that he needs De'Aaron Fox more than just De'Aaron Fox. He needs to play with De'Aaron Fox to be optimized. Like, he really needs to play with De'Aaron Fox to have a decent offense around him. So the Kings are really handicapping themselves if they're trying to make him run the court with the bench unit, because what's the bench unit going to do? How are we going to be able to see what Tyrese Halliburton can actually do with that unit? Right. Yeah. Um, and the other aspect of Halliburton I'm really going to watch for is I, I want to see if we ever have a game where it feels like Halliburton just takes over. You know, like we have stretches, like there's that Brooklyn game, um, but – for the most part, and this is far from a negative, he's just consistently an impact player. But are we ever yeah. going to have a game where he takes over and shoots it 20-plus times? You know, that one Brooklyn game is the only time he had 20 attempts. Aside from that, it's all 16 down, only seven attempts tonight. Um, there's plenty of games with less than 10 attempts. I want to see him try to take over some games. Like, I, I get the percentages are great, and maybe this isn't the guy that Halliburton really is, you know? Um, he, he may just be a little bit more pass first, but I think you can try to work him out of that a little bit and, again, yeah, see if he can take over some games. Yeah, I agree with you, but it's really going to be a a thing that Tyrese Halliburton, it goes against Tyrese Halliburton's game. Like, yeah. The way that Tyrese Halliburton plays is the most fundamental, let's make the right choice every time, um, which is to his credit. He's one of the smartest young players I've ever seen, but he he's learning. He's definitely more um, – he's definitely shown more in his rookie season than I was expecting from a I'm going to create my own shot here, which is a great thing to see. Um, he's definitely improved off the bounce. Like he had a really sweet turnaround in the mid range today um, for one of his two field goals. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty nice. Um, but you know, as we've talked about, both the greatest and worst thing in Tyrese Halliburton's game is that he always trusts that his teammates are as smart as he is. Um, and at some point, he's got to realize, you know, I'm one of the most talented players on this team. It's a thing that Darren Fox struggles with, although I kind of think with Darren Fox, it's more just motivation to continue going 100 miles per hour when the team around him is just so bad. Tyrese Halliburton just needs to realize, all right, the team is bad. I need to be one of the guys who's taking these shots all the time instead of just let's keep making these right passes at some point. It's a balancing act, and it's a balancing act that you know you hope the rookie starts finding towards the end of his season. But again, the Kings will hopefully be better by the time that Tyrese Halliburton really needs to achieve that balance. So definitely be a growth thing for his career. Definitely, um, I just think you know in a season that at 
some point, I think is going to very hard shift towards development um, as, you know, I think we've kind of preached for a while, but I think that it's going to be very clear at some point here. Um, yeah, there's, there's going to be games where, you know, I, I hope Halliburton realizes he's swinging the ball to be Elitza or Daquan Jeffries and they're not making the right play. And it's like, all right, well, I'm the only one that's got it going right now. And in this second unit that he's going to still end up running for some portions. Um, yeah. And I'd like to see him just, you know, coach be like, listen, you need to be the one taking over right now and see him do that a little bit. Um, yeah, definitely going to be yeah. something to watch for. Um, but, you know, far from a critique of Halliburton or anything, I'm just trying to watch for more potential development, even though, I mean, there's yeah. only so much you can ask for from him. That'll be a big growth point for sure. Definitely. What's another uh, What's another point you got here? Well, I do – if the Kings do go kind of full rebound, rebuild and trade one or two of Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Nemanja Bielitsa – I really do want to see which of the young Kings kind of emerges because the hope with this off season for Monty McNair was that he could really find one or two more bench players for this team when this team is going to be contending for a playoff spot. Um, whether that is Daquan Jeffries, who we already talked about, maybe it's uh, Justin James. I doubt it, but we'll see uh, whether it's Kyle Guy whether it's your boy Robert Woodard or Jemias Ramsey, you know, I, I, I do hope at some point as the season goes on, assuming that the Kings aren't anywhere closer to the 10th seed, you know, that's a, the assumption I'm making right now. I really would like to see some of the young guys get actual meaningful developmental minutes and which one of those guys emerges enough where we're like, okay, maybe this guy's ready for serious bench minutes next year when it actually means something. Mm-hmm. Do you have prime candidates? You know mine is going to be Robert yeah. Woodard. Yeah, ours is the same thing. It's Robert Woodard and Daquan Jeffries for me. Yeah. Um, I would love to see at some point uh, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Daquan Jeffries, Robert Woodard, Marvin Bagley lineup. Like, please inject that straight into my eyeballs. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun, uh, high motor. Um, you know, Robert Athletic Woodard, too. Athletic as heck. Just imagine the alley oops that oh. Fox and Halliburton could be throwing up there with that lineup. Um, I would love to see that lineup get serious minutes in the second half. So, but that that requires a commitment to a harsher immediate rebuild than I think. Luke Walton and his let's play Corey Joseph 30 minutes a game mentality would like to approach right now. Have you ever said to yourself, I loved the fact that I've had the same few pairs of sheets since just after college and I never liked them, but then I just keep washing them every week or maybe two and putting them back on the bed like it's totally normal? Stop. Stop it. Brooklyn can make that voice in your head go away and the bad sheets on your bed go away. Brooklyn was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find a beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooklinen as the first direct-to-customer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury-level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. 
has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident you will love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee, no risk involved. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and, and a bunch more. Um, definitely check it out. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code KINGSPULSE to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free sh- shipping. It's definitely something I'm going to be checking out. I'm a little guilty of having the same um, few bed sheets and, and such for a good little while now. i got to wash mine pretty often with my puppy Molly over here. So definitely join me in checking out Brooklyn. And that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And enter promo code KINGSPULSE to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com and use promo code KINGSPULSE at checkout. And then I think one other, you know, probably the only other like obvious candidate would be Kyle Guy who just hasn't really gotten much opportunity. But I'm just curious if he can be a third-string point guard in the league, you know, a guy that is a backup on nights when when someone's missing. Um, We obviously know his potential as a shooter, and I think he's shown a lot of growth in Stockton as a passer, but hasn't really gotten much opportunity in Sacramento to play any minutes outside of garbage time. You know, he's got a great energy off the bench, Players seem to like him. Um, I, I would like to see him get a little bit more run because, you know, we're approaching a point where, you know, I, I mean, I think it'd be reasonable to let go of him, but you want to see if there's anything there first. And I think we're at a point where we still don't really know. Like, we know he's not some crazy player or anything like a hidden gem on the bench, but I, I don't know if Kyle Guy is an NBA rotation player, and I don't think we've been given the opportunity to find out. Yeah, I agree with you. It's important to note that his numbers this season aren't that impressive. Like 32% from the field and 25% from three aren't great. But like you said, that's eight minutes in 14 games. And when Walton does play him, it's the very tail end of games. I've been banging the drum for a while that they're really, that Luke Walton should just commit to, all right, the minutes that I normally give to Corey Joseph, I'm going to give to Kyle Guy for the next couple of games. Um, I feel bad that I'm again bagging on Corey Joseph. Like this was one of the more the Rockets game was actually pretty impressive for Corey Joseph. I'm upset that he got 34 minutes, but he had 13 points, five steals, four rebounds. I mean, pretty all right for him. Um, but like you said, it just it's coming from a developmental point. We know who Corey Joseph is. We know that Corey Joseph probably isn't on this team next year. Mm-hmm. And the is <laughs> we don't know who Kyle Guy is, and it really would be nice to just use a couple of games to try and figure that out. I mean, when else are you gonna? When else are you gonna find out? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm totally with you. And uh, let, let's get through your last one because mine's a little bit in a different direction for my final one. I do want to see if uh, De'Aaron Fox can stay engaged if the team goes and trades some of the veterans. Um, you know, we talked about during the Kings big loss, st- losing streak, that, you know, there were a lot of games where De'Aaron Fox just kind of coasted. Um, and I don't think it's unreasonable to say that, you know, a, a player as good as De'Aaron Fox, when he realizes, boy, you know, this team's not that great, 
and I can't by myself drag this team to respectability. Um, it, it's not unreasonable to see a star take a kind of a step back. Um, but if the Kings just fully commit and trade Harrison Barnes and or Buddy Heald, is De'Aaron Fox going to be all right playing a ton of minutes with these younger guys and fully accepting that the rest of the season is a rebuild? Um, I don't know. I do think, and I know you and I agree on this, that how De'Aaron Fox played in that seven-game win streak was showed us that he could be a 1A to this team. Um, he really could in my mind, lead a good team in scoring. But this team's not a good team right now. And I don't expect him to be 39-7 and in every game, especially if they start losing a whole bunch of games. But I really do hope that he stays mostly committed and contends on a nightly basis. Yeah, I, I love the cat in the background, by the way. You don't have to worry about it. It's adorable. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that we've definitely seen, you know, superstar stretches from Fox, but I think he's also one of the guys at the effort level, um, you know, kind of comes and goes a little bit at times. And it's something I've been really curious about recently. You know, there's that Sam Amick article that talked about McNair's pitch to Vivek kind of being, you know, a two- to four-year plan and being patient and this being a gap year and I would have to think that that was communicated to Fox no I would sure hope so um I think that any good general manager would have frank honest conversations with their players especially you know we've heard whispers for a while that this team is thinking of selling Darren Fox isn't blind he's gotta know that's the fact um Mm. there's just a difference to me between Darren Fox knowing that the um, mini rebuild is coming and staying engaged with the rest of the team. Because, you know, as as I've said all season, the season is in one of the pillars of that is this team still needs to be trying on a nightly basis. They can't just roll over and die. There's no positive development that comes out of 30-point blowouts and losing every game from this point on. You want to see the young guys get minutes, develop, and compete, even if they're not winning games. And a lot of that stems from their leader, De'Aaron Fox, staying engaged on a nightly basis. Yeah, um, we do have one speaker request on Locker Room here. I'm going to bring, I think it's Jasper onto the stage. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, man. What's going on? How you doing? Yeah, what's up? Um, I'm going to say this. This game was pretty much a good game to see. Um. The only thing I'm seeing is, um, I like I can see Harrison Barnes mostly getting traded to Boston because is like his val his trade value is going to go up pretty soon if he plays like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. I've been saying for a while I think that Barnes makes a lot of sense, specifically in Boston. I think this is definitely like a sell high point. Uh, yeah, he had a really good game today, twenty points. Uh, 11 rebounds as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm definitely for it, um, and I, I'm glad to hear you know some of the other fan bases is, is on board as well. I know you're kind of with that, right, Bryant? Moving Barnes to Boston. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I think you and Adam Taylor did a great podcast earlier this week talking about pretty much every angle of trading Harrison Barnes to Boston. Um, I would love to see the Kings snag a couple of good assets from Boston, especially if, you know, you got to take advantage of, of having one of, if not the best player on the trade market right now. And, uh, yeah. Well, Foss had a light for like a light thirty points today. I just had a. I feel like he scored twenty. I just had a. It just feels like it today. Yeah, all these guys were kind of able to do whatever they want against the Rockets team that didn't uh, really have any any big man out there outside of I guess it was uh, who am I missing here? Justin Patton, who has zero points yeah. on the night, zero of six from the field. Uh, three of his attempts were from deep, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely no rim protection. No, whatsoever. no, I yeah. At, at first, I thought I misread his last name, and it was Peyton. And at one point, I was like googling, like, who is this guy? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the Rockets team was not good, and, and you know maybe this is a little swing for Sacramento. They get a little bit of momentum. Yeah, I can. I mean, my dream like trade deadline. I'm sorry, I stuttered a lot. Uh, I'm saying it's mostly we know about Harrison Barnes, Boston. Um, maybe Harris, maybe J- Javari Parker will get traded because he barely plays and he will go like somewhere. Like he can go back to Atlanta, but it's like I don't know what team will he go. I love to see him go to like somewhere he can actually play with. Like I know you can play with the Kings and stuff, but like. He barely plays. I'm, I kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, I, I don't know if he has any value. Uh, like, in my mind, I think, like, the guys to me would be um, obviously Barnes. You know, like, if you could get anything for Buddy, um, I think, you know, ideally more than a dump, um, then maybe there's something there with, like, Philly or Denver. And then I think, like, Bielita and, weirdly, Whiteside seems to be kind of – in some talks, like with the Lakers, I think Whiteside was weirdly not suited up today, and I don't think he was on the injury report either. He was like wearing clothes and stuff. That's yeah. I think James Ham said that he's still in the protocol. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense. Why is a guy sitting in the next to everyone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I agree. And Jabari Parker's value on the trade market is that he's a seven million dollar expiring contract. Um, yeah. So are you guys thinking about like fans are coming to Golden West Center pretty soon, or mostly not for the rest of the season? No, I won't go to the Golden One Center until I got the vaccine in me. But um, I know that play, fans across the country are getting to go to games, so yeah. uh, I'm kind of okay just waiting. <laughs> Yeah, I think California might not just have fans yeah. for for this yeah. rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. How do I pronounce your first name? Uh, Jaskorn. Jaskorn. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna remove you here now. We're going to kind of get back to the rest of the conversation, but appreciate right, you hopping on, man. You guys have a nice day. And you do the same. Thanks, man. Yeah, hey, thanks, bud. Too. You too. Cool. First little uh, speaker we've had on Locker Room, give listeners a little bit of an example. I definitely appreciate Jaskarn coming on and doing that and, and want people to do that a little bit more often. The last note yeah. I have here on uh, my things to watch for 
And it's something that I've kind of picked up on a little bit throughout the year. And I, I just want to keep tabs on it to see if I'm not crazy here. I feel like Rashawn Holmes is a better passer this year. Again, I don't think it's anything game-changing for him. But I feel like there's really quick reads out of a short roll um, or him getting the ball and just instantly making a swing pass. I feel like there has been development in Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes is passing this year, um, but I'm not 100% yet. So this is why it's just something I'm going to keep tabs on. Um, he's averaging a career high in assists, but that's only 1.7 a game. He already has, you know, 13 more assists than he did last year which he only played 44 games last year. He's at 32 at this point in his career. So, I mean, he's tallying more of them, but I do feel like he's just making quicker decisions with more reps out there, specifically like in a short roll situation. Um, so it's something I'm just going to keep tabs on to see if 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 there is really some development there because I feel like it's still too early to maybe call it. But have you noticed anything with that? Yeah, um, I think – one of the strengths that I've really seen from the Kings so far this season is there's definitely more willingness from every player to make the extra pass. Like, that was especially apparent tonight. I think they were all pretty much like, well, we can always get a good shot against this team. Let's just keep the ball moving. Um, but, you know, Rashawn Holmes, when he plays 39 minutes, five minutes a game, he's going to be, he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And it's really good to see him continuing to become a better passer. Um, so I like you going to keep an eye on it because Rashawn Holmes has always been a player who really shines in his versatility. And that's just another tool in his box. Definitely. Um, and have we gotten through your notes of kind of things to watch for? Yeah. Cool. Um, One other thing I'll throw out here, you know, it was mentioned on the broadcast a lot. The Kings have the seventh easiest schedule, I think is what they were saying (laughs) moving forward. I don't really care, and I don't know how much I put into that because this this season's so weird with COVID. Like, you never know what roster you're going up against. You know, like, seventh easiest wasn't taking into account that Houston doesn't have Christian Wood and it does not have John Wall. You know, like that's an easy game already, but then it becomes a ridiculous easy game. You know, you could play the, let's say, Washington Wizards, which I I guess is still an easy game, but you play them without Brad Beal, it's all of a sudden a different story. I should get a better example. You play the Miami Heat without Bam Adebayo, you know, and all of a sudden Kelly Olenek's the starting big man. yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that seventh easiest schedule means that Sacramento's going on some streak here. Like, it, I, I don't, I don't put anything into that. Yeah, I agree with you. This more than any season in the past, you just play who's ahead of you, and you don't try to take any grand meaning out of the rest of your schedule. I mean, they get the the goal of that kind of conversation is like, well, maybe the Kings can be good from this point on, but. You know, I think we have enough proof from the last month of Kings basketball that this team is just not going to go on some magical run and suddenly be a leader for the eighth seed. Um, so I think from here on out, you just take it on a game-by-game basis. You play who's in front of you and see how the chips fall. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, I think something that Kings fans are going to be able to keep tabs on and I guess have been for the past uh, few years, if you is probably kind, is some draft prospects. And, and we're just kicking off March Madness here. Yeah, no, no. Um, Brendan, there's never a point where you're not thinking about the draft. Welcome to Sacramento. It's true. Yeah, I'm, clear, I'm clearly a rookie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what what guys are done with college ball, yeah. Brian? Uh, well, Jalen Johnson is absolutely done. We had a full conversation with him about him a while back. Um, he left Duke and Duke's going to be out of the tourney for the first time, I think like 20 years. So that's something. Um, Zaire Williams and Stanford aren't making the tournament. Um, the Kentucky guys pretty much ended their season today and the official Kentucky Twitter account was just like, this wasn't the season we wanted, but, uh, our guys played hard, so that just proves to me they're not going to go into the NIT tournament. We're, of course, talking about B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, who wasn't playing anyways. Uh, Isaiah Jackson's going really high in a couple of uh, big boards. I, I saw this. Yeah, yeah, like really high. Like I think he was eight or something. Yeah, on ESPN's big board, which is good to see because he's an energy big man, a really great rim protector. Uh, i got to admit, I've watched less Kentucky games than – past years but um he he's definitely you got to keep an eye out uh so kentucky's pretty much done and uh the other you know kind of first round prospect fringe first round prospects who are done include uh, the arizona state duo of uh josh christopher who i know our buddy kenny caraway is a big fan of um and uh also done is marcus bagley marvin bagley's brother um you know, Arizona State had a disappointing end of the season. You know, they went into the year with some pretty high expectations, and they didn't live up to that. Um, so they're pretty much done unless they accept an NIT tournament bid, which I guess wouldn't be the most insane thing for Arizona State. So I think those are the guys out right now. Um, but I do think it's pretty cool that assuming Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State get to go to the NCAA tournament, which if they don't, the NCAA is just shooting themselves in the foot like always. Uh, 18 of the consensus top 30 players are going to be in the tournament this year, which wow. would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be interesting. Is there any, like, rumors of Oklahoma State decision or no? It's not really. It's out of Oklahoma State. Well, not State. decision, and, but yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, they're appealing the NCAA ruling, and it basically is up to the NCAA to stop them from playing. Um, mm-hmm. And last I looked, there had been no formal decision. I mean, the second there was, I'm sure t- Twitter won't go crazy. Right. But, you know, in a, in a really tough year, it would just be absolutely moronic for the NCAA to keep Oklahoma State out, especially since, I mean, this isn't a violation done by the head coach. It was an assistant coach from like four years ago, I think, who broke an a NCAA rule. Um, so it's just absolutely crazy. Wait, wait, and he broke this rule like four years ago? I think it was four years ago. Don't quote me on that. But it, but it but, was a few years ago. It wasn't this yeah, season. Yeah, it was. Oh, this. wow. And, and, and it's just crazy to me that the NCAA hasn't just made it already clear, like, yeah, we're going to let the most prominent player in our yeah. sport, the dude who has single-handedly beat some really good teams this year, enter March Madness. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, Cade went there knowing that, right? Or was he committed yeah. and he had time to pull out after it was no, announced all, or something like year, that? Everything that we'd heard was, no, Cade Cunningham's going there knowing what's going to happen, knowing that they're not going to make the tournament. But as this team's like, they should make the tournament just based on their success this year. So yeah. he, they absolutely should be in it. And uh, the NCAA has always been – kind of a really dumb organization in terms of managing their own brand. So let's hope they let him yeah. in. Um, but then, you know, other guys we've talked about, Evan Mobley and USC, they're locks. Um, Gonzaga is the preliminary favorite. Everybody knows that. They've got a couple of guys. Jalen Suggs looked damn amazing in the WCC tournament, much to my chagrin. Um Scotty Barnes, Florida State, they're in. Moses Moody in Arkansas, they're in. The Tennessee Boys and Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, they're in. Um, your new draft crush, Franz Wagner in <laughs> Michigan, they're in. He is uh, rising Texas. back alive. Yeah. Boy, when you told me the other day that he, he – what, what was your age stat that you told me? That he was younger than um, – Man, I don't want to throw out the names and get it I wrong. I think it was Evan Mobley. Yeah, Mobley and um, was it Keon? It may be. But yeah, he's I mean, the youngest non-freshman in the league, and he's younger than a lot of the guys that we're talking about in the first round. Yeah, I can definitely see why he's getting some draft buzz right now because a dude that young and versatile. I mean. <laughs> I've been watching a couple of Michigan games, and he looks dang versatile. Yeah. Like he knows what he's doing all across the court. So Michigan's definitely a good team to keep your eye out if you can handle kind of grit and grindy games. Um, the Texas boys of Kai Jones and Greg Brown are going to get in there. Baylor's, of course, going to get in there with Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell. So, you know, it's going to be – this is the best time of the sports year, in my opinion. And I very much hope that we get to see a bunch of these prospects playing good, meaningful games. Definitely. And obviously the Ignite guys are done as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, maybe we can take a look at uh, maybe some of the Kentucky guys or, or Arizona State guys and maybe do a little bit of profiles. I'm definitely going to watch more Zaire games um, because – yeah, man, it, I don't know. It, he seems to lower and lower a little bit more each time I, I, I watch or do a little bit more research with some of these other guys. And maybe just as I've been debating it a bit more, like if we were back to Zaire versus Moody, I'm taking Moody in a heartbeat right now. Yeah, I agree. You know, there's probably a lot of bias in my evaluation from just watching him at the beginning of the season when he had that triple double and he started with the 17 and nine game, you know, and it's also very fair to keep hammering it over and over. Stanford was a terrible developmental situation. Stanford had the worst, uh, some of the worst COVID luck of any team this year. It's really, really hard just to look at anything on the surface for Zaire Williams and just be like, all right, this is definitive proof one way or another of where he should go in the draft. But he's definitely a guy who you got to watch the tape on and, and see, you know, is it more than just a bad developmental situation and the skinny kid who really had a rough time in college basketball? Is he worth a lottery pick? I don't know. 
that'll be a real debate question going forward. Yeah, and uh, the next game here for the Sacramento Kings comes on the 13th, Saturday the 13th at 4.30 Pacific Time in Atlanta, um, where De'Aaron Fox maybe should have been. Um, probably not this uh, this last no. weekend. No. <laughs> that was, you know, that was my stretch for trying to segue that. Well. <laughs> you know, I, I think De'Aaron Fox enjoyed the time off. I think he came yeah. out and, and popped in this game because uh, De'Aaron Fox really does thrive when he has a couple of days off. So I'm kind of glad he didn't go to Atlanta. Definitely. You know, last thing I'll say, actually, uh, the Team USA rosters are finalized. Um, potential roster, whatever it's called. I think it's a list of like 70 names um, that includes Harrison Barnes. Barnes has been a Team USA member for a while now. Does not include De'Aaron Fox. Um, And it's interesting. Um, You know, like there's Derek White on this list. Um, There's definitely players that I feel pretty comfortable saying Fox is better than. You know, there was a lot of talk when he was at the tryouts or – I don't know if tryouts is the right word when he was at the camps last year that he was a standout player. You know, I think he kind of had a little bit of a mini relationship with Kimball Walker girl there that he talked about. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting that Fox is not a part of that and can't help but wonder if him uh, turning down the last run had any impact on that. Yeah. You know, it's really hard for me to overly care about this because there's so much time between now and when the actual camp would start that I'm sure if anybody wanted to get Aaron Fox an invite, they could still turn it around. But, you know, I agree with you. It kind of seems like um, recompense for leaving early, which, you know, is completely Aaron Fox's uh, choice at that point. So it'll be interesting to see. The only Team USA I care about is the under-16 one from recently with Halliburton and uh, Kate Cunningham. So, yeah, I'm just going to hold on to uh, to those thoughts and uh, definitely dive into a little bit more of these draft guys. And it was nice to have Sacramento basketball back, I will say. It had been a little while since I watched uh, some basketball games, and uh, that was definitely an enjoyable time against the Houston team that uh, – Struggled to know what they were doing, but I'm looking forward to watching the second half of this season and keeping an eye on some of the things that we pointed out. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. By the way, we added a new member to the King's Herald that I believe is pronounced Mar- Moran. I really hope I'm saying her name right. Um, she did. We'll definitely have to have her on pretty quick. Yes. Because she's a great writer and anybody who doesn't follow her should go do that and I should have her Twitter account up so that I could really do this right now. Uh, it's Moran Loani, I believe it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Just search the King's Herald Twitter account and I'm sure you can find her somewhere in there. So, yeah. Everybody go M- check her out. Yeah, at M-I-R-A-N-N-L-O-L-A-N-I. She had great uh, post-game recaps, which are deeper than, you know, like typical recaps. Um, it was breakdowns, I guess would be a better way to say it, on her own site. And definitely glad to bring her over to the King's Herald and, like, 
Bryant said, definitely going to have to add her on here. But I believe that recap piece um, could potentially be up tomorrow, maybe today when you're hearing this, the day after the Houston game. So definitely check out the site. And uh, if you enjoy the coverage there, please support the Patreon. It definitely helps support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.